When I was a kid, I wanted to be a painter when I grew up. Now I am a painter. Hi, I'm Ben Hanani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. My guest today is Rashin Gherreya, who was born in Iran. She received a PhD in illustration and an MFA in graphic design from Al-Zahra University in Tehran, and she's published over 80 books in countries around the world and created illustrations for the New York Times. Rashin is the winner of the 2021 Sheila Berry Best Canadian Picture Book Award of the Year. She was named a 2017 Maurice Sendak Fellow and was the winner of the New Horizon Award at the Bologna Book Fair. She lives in Washington, D.C., and you can check out her work online at rashinart.com. Without further ado, welcome to the pod, Rashin. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm really honored. I got to say, I first discovered your work when I got an email from the Farhang Foundation, which is an Iranian organization, and they had this beautiful mural that you were working on here in Los Angeles, in Westwood, or in Santa Monica, rather. And we'll get to the mural in a moment, but I did a deep dive on your work and I was super fascinated by it, especially because of how you have woven your Iranian heritage into pretty traditional American children's books. And I thought that was so cool. So I'm really honored you're here today. And the first thing that came into my mind when I was looking at your children's books was you have such delightful characters. And I think that's the number one key to a really good children's book is have characters that kids are just in love with and can open and turn the pages and enjoy. And I was curious, as the person who's writing these stories and illustrating them, do you start with the characters in your mind first or do you start with story first? I know there are some writers who they just have an idea for a character and then they figure out the story and the plot. I know other writers who have events and ideas in their head and then they figure out characters who can build out that world. And I was wondering what your process is. Well, for the books that I'm uh, writing and illustrating, I'm really inspired by my childhood growing up in Iran. So the main character of my book also named Rashin. So Rashin is a character based on my childhood. You know, when you are writing from your root, you have also uh, can blend some traditional design from where you come from into your modern graphic or whatever it is. So I thought it would be uh, interesting for kids to get familiar with Iranian traditional artwork, my picture books. And when you're when you're writing them, did you start with that Rashin character in mind or do you have specific stories in mind? So, for example, when I was going through Saffron Ice Cream, you know, I've never seen a book that compares, you know, you know, New York, like Brooklyn, Coney Island to you know, getaways in, getaways in Iran. Yeah, the Caspian Sea. So did you start with, do you have that idea in mind and then you build it out? Or do you say like, do you start with Rashin and think like, okay, let's go through Rashin's life. Okay, let's, let's explore this part of it. Yeah, I guess the first thing, yeah, it is start with event or memory or a funny memory or something that happened to me and it stick it into my mind. So then I uh, start developing the rest of the story based on that memory. Like uh, when I was in Coney Island and I really missed having a saffron ice cream and that reminds me 
my memories in Iran, saffron ice cream, and fun memories in the summertime uh, by Caspian Sea. So it's always start with simple memory or a funny memory. And then I thought I can also borrow my own character as main character of the book. And I've seen, you know, in the TV writing world where I've had some experience, when before people write an episode of a show, they'll outline it. An outline of a TV script is longer than many children's books. Do you just go into it and start writing? Or do you also have your own little outline and your own way of sketching out things before you actually write the book? In my first book, I just dived into it. (laughs) For the (laughs) second one, I just have more more practice and then uh, I made a like a storyboard and everything but the way I I'm writing my picture book it's along with my uh, with my illustration right. so sometimes I have a good illustration composition in my mind and and I write based on that and what is your process like for illustrating it's something where you can keep refining and keep tweaking things how do you know once you have a character who's ready who you feel like this is this is the right illustration for this character or for the scene you're trying to do. What what does that process look like from what is in your head to on the page? Yeah, so it needs a lot of uh, sketches. I usually draw 20, 30 different sketches for one character. For example, this one for Rasheen's character. So I will share it with the design team of my publication house. And they are amazing. I mean, the design team of Lobin and Corrido, my art director, Patrick Collin. So they helped me to develop and choose the best sketch for, for the character. And then I make a storyboard for the whole book. And I think about the placing the text versus the image and then finding good image for end papers and uh, cover and back and yeah, the whole thing. This collaboration you have with your publishers, it reminds me of the night before this conversation we're having now, last night, I asked my girlfriend, what is something you would be interested in learning from a children's book author? And she said, the placement of the text on in the image. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so obviously there's a lot of thought that goes into it from what you're saying. How do you, in your own creative process, factor in, you know, you're going to make this beautiful illustration but you also need to account you know for x amount of space for the text yeah. how, do, how does that work for you yeah sometimes it's tough at the very beginning of the process we have a, a rough placement of uh, text in each spread but sometimes when i'm starting to sketching uh, i might change them a little bit so when i when i'm sure that the building in the right upper corner would be the perfect place for my image but the text supposed to go there. So in that situation, I can move the text somewhere else. So I play with them and try to make a good space and enough space. And you know, each spread, they have to be in different uh, locations. So it won't be boring for kids when read that. Yeah, and you have to put your mind, like you're saying, into a child's brain to imagine, is this going to be engaging? Hopefully this part isn't boring. How do you think you've gotten good at that? Because I think, you know, as an adult, I can understand how to convey information to other adults. But when I'm trying to convey to younger people, like if I'm trying to talk to my little cousin, I actually have to put in more thought into what I'm trying to say. Yes. How, how does that work for you? So I want them, that kid, roll their eyes through all the pages, all the corners. 
So I have to lead them to find interesting things in the illustration and then uh, and also read the text. So that's why in each spread, we need to play with placing the text and illustration in different situations so kids can play with that. Yeah. When it comes to the actual story, how do you do you test it on a younger audience first? Like, how do you how do you get to a place where you feel confident that the story will resonate and be understood by the younger audience that you're going to be publishing to? That would be the ideal to test on <laughs> kids. But, <laughs> but, you know, kids are playful and they sometimes they give you wrong answers. You know, it depends on their <laughs> because it depends on their mood. They just want to play and they make something that does not relate to every, every kid. So we have to trust on the knowledge of the designers uh, in the production house or based on my experiences in the layout for children's books. If we were in your office shadowing you during the writing and illustrating of one of your books... What are some of the things we might see? What are some of the tools around you within arm's reach? Some of the practices you do that you find helpful? What are some of the things we would see if we were shadowing you in your office over the course of the writing and illustrating? Well, you know, based on the story I'm illustrating for, I, I would like to experience different mediums like watercolor, mixed media, printmakings, sometimes photography or airbrush. These days, my airbrush that my husband gave me for my birthday, it, it just, uh, <laughs> uh. It just uh, makes me think of creating a new picture book with that technique. That's lovely. And I'd love to know some of the feedback you've gotten from children who've read your books. I'm sure there have been probably some unexpected pieces of feedback you've gotten just knowing how imaginative children can be. You know, what are some of the things you've heard from the younger readers? After Saffron Ice Cream were published, I received a letter in, in my mail <laughs> from, <laughs> from, from a kid. So the, uh, her mom explained that my kid loves your book, Saffron Ice Cream. And the kid tried to write down with her handwriting. It was so cute. It says, Rushing, please make more books like Saffron Ice Cream. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really beautiful. It seems like Saffron Ice Cream is, is one of the more personal pieces of work that you've you released. Correct. Was that easy for you? Was it, was it fun? Was it difficult? What was emotionally, what was that journey like writing and illustrating that book? Uh, it was a very long process ever. It took five years to publish. Uh, oh my to goodness. be published. Wow. Yeah. Writing process was really long. And my wonderful editor, Archie Lobin, he uh, helped me through the whole process. So there was a lot of back and forth editing and writing that one. Yeah, it was really personal. I wanted to, you know, the part that I'm talking about, Islamic beach rules in, in Caspian yeah. Sea, it was very tricky. I didn't want yeah. to be, I don't know, rude or something. And, and, I, sure. and I didn't want to hurt any feelings in some uh, religious way. So I wanted to be honest and kid-friendly. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's I, one of the most fascinating things we'll ever hear, right, is a children's book that politely shows children the difference between hanging out in Coney Island versus the Caspian Sea with Islamic beach rules. I just thought, like, the fact that you could write in such a way where it did not come off, you know, as you intended, you did, it did not come off as rude. It was just showing the differences in cultures in a very enlightening way that, 
you know, I, I just, I was, I marveled at it and I thought, wow, this is so cool. Not just because I love saffron ice cream, but because you are showing our culture in a very creative, cool way that I think is, makes it exciting for kids to learn about, right? Like it's, I think when I was a kid, sometimes, you know, my parents would talk about these seemingly ancient figures like Omar Khayyam and we have so-and-so and so-and-so. And it's like, as an eight-year-old, I couldn't really make sense of why that was so important, right? Like, why is Rumi so important to me as an eight-year-old? I just couldn't put it together. But when you find memories that a kid can connect to, like going to the beach or having ice cream, that to me, you know, that resonates for me. And I think for me, if I were a child reading Saffron Ice Cream, that would plant a seed of interest in my culture that will grow over time so that when I am 16 or 17 or 18 and I can understand some of the more nuanced parts of our culture, I will take an interest in it and, and do my own deep dive. And I think that was so cool to see. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. And quickly, I want to make sure we acknowledge your newest book. You have a new book that just came out. Tell us a little bit about it. And Maybe how your if there was anything unique you did for this book, any any part of your creative process that has evolved over time, or or maybe you found a routine that works for you. The new one called the Shape of Home, and that's based on you know the whole the the whole idea of this Russian story is like about fitting in, fitting in the community in the school, in at home, and uh, and it's about you know cultural authenticity. Like no matter where you come from, what uh, language you speak, what color you are, you are always welcome here. So this book is about the first day of a school for, for Russian in the U.S. And uh, as she is so excited and also nervous going to school, she remembers the time she was going to school in Iran. So again, she is comparing to different cultures and find cool similarities also in that. I actually learned a new country while I was reading your book. I learned about the country that the teacher is from, Benin, yes. in Africa. <laughs> how did you how did you decide to include that country? Cuz I was I, I actually don't know if I ever was familiar with it until reading that book. Yes, my idea for for writing The Shape of Home was playing with the shape of the map of the countries. I always knew that Italy is shaped like a boot. So when I was creating the teacher, Miss Martin, and when I said she's from Africa, so I was looking for a cool shape that, that kids will love it in the book. So I thought Benin would shape like a flashlight and the teacher holding <laughs> a flashlight in the class and said, yeah, I'm from Benin, which is shaped like a flashlight. And that makes kids laugh and they are excited so russian doesn't feel shy anymore so she introduced her country she said yeah i'm from iran and iran shaped like a cat <laughs> i love that it was it was such a fun read before we get to rapid fire i want to ask you about your mural a persian girl which is here in los angeles what was the inspiration for you and was there anything in your creative process for a mural that was different than your creative process for illustrating, for example, in terms of, you know, brainstorming or did you kind of do the same? Does your brainstorming look similar for both? Yeah, the only difference is the, the target audience. So now I have wider audience. So it was make it easier to, to design the art for, 
for everyone. So the Persian Girl was based on some poems from Rumi. And I, uh, my idea was to write those poems in the shape of the hair of the girl. So I wrote the, the poems into her hair and a little bird sitting on, on top of her nose and, and saying, my inspiration came from the like Persian New Year, Noruz. And, and I designed that for, for a contents that Fahang Foundation had for a Persian mural for Santa Monica. It must be pretty cool that you, you have all these people in LA who can, you know, pose with it, send you photos, being like, look, and it's there for eternity. <laughs> I mean, that's something that I think is really fascinating about books and even murals is you are putting a piece of art out there that people are going to enjoy eternally, right? Like it's very different from a play where a play, you put a play together, people come, they watch it, great. And then a month later, you know, th- that play might not ever exist again. Whereas your work is there eternally is that something you think about or is that just you know a cool afterthought no um, the, the contest was for mural so i knew that it's gonna yeah. go on on the wall yeah i tried to do my best to to make it eye-catching or something and show a little yeah. bit of the persian art in it like the patterns you see in the persian rugs or tiles of the mosques so I try to borrow those patterns to design my art. Well, this has been a delight because I've been fascinated by your work and it's so cool to get a sense of your process. And I think the most Iranian way of going about a creative work that I've seen is getting a PhD in illustration. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know, because that is the best of both worlds because in our culture that is, you know, education is so prized and we're, we're told to become doctors, lawyers, engineers, whatever the case may be. And, and it's hard, you know, it can be hard in our culture sometimes to, to feel comfortable pursuing creative work. And I, I love the route you've carved, which is PhD in <laughs> illustration. I just think that is, that is quintessentially Iranian in a beautiful way. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I guess I should be calling you doctor. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, doctor. This was a great conversation. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up with a few little rapid fire questions. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained one skill or ability, what would it be? Definitely speaking into all languages. (laughs) If there was a movie to be made about your life, who would you like to play you in the movie? I don't know. Um, Maybe Helena Bonham Carter from Fight Club. (laughs) I love her. Oh, wow. Okay. I was not expecting that. Okay, cool. All right. Where's a place you haven't been to yet that you hope to visit? Oh, Greece. Oh, Greece is great. Yeah. And uh, what's a song you like to jam to, whether it's, you know, something you're listening to right now that you really love or something that you always like to go back to? Well, uh, Extreme Way by Moby. (laughs) Oh, cool. Okay. All right. And uh, lastly, where can people check out your work and keep up with you on social media? On Instagram, Russian.Hairie. And uh, my website, RussianArt.com. Also in Facebook, Russian Feria or Twitter. Amazing. And if you're listening and curious about the podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at HDYDpod. Thank you so much. It's a real joy. You are our first children's book author. And uh, it was really delightful. It was everything I wanted to be and more. Thank you, Russian. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. 
I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, How Do You Do Podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, Listen on Apple Podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says ratings and reviews. And all you need to do is tap the star on the far right and you've left a five-star rating. I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that. And I really, truly appreciate you listening to this episode. Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers. And I'll see you back here next week.